Melvin's Guide to Therapy, an exhaustive guide to my experience with therapy and how you can get started. Get used to feeling multiple truths at the same time. Ouch, that hurts, and I'm grateful for it. Contents. In this post, I go over background in defining therapy, how to find a therapist, signs of a great therapist, signs it may not be a good fit and that switching may be beneficial, therapy directories, and a sample email and form. In this near exhaustive but subjective guide, I walk you through my experience in the near typical process from selecting a therapist to leaving your first session. First, I'll give some brief background on my experience, then how to find a therapist, followed by cost and insurance, then aspects of a great therapist, followed by signs it may be a good idea to change therapists, and a couple of resources to get you on your way back to a more integrated you. A disclaimer first, I'm neither a therapist nor a mental health professional, just a mere mortal sharing my experience. Background in defining therapy. Therapy. After these last few years, it's being presented mostly interpersonally, but now also on apps, as a cure-all for what we've been through, or at least the most appropriate balm given the the circumstances. Let's talk about it. I sat on my first couch circa 2011 and have regularly attended therapy since. So I've had more than a few experience with these couches and these professionals. In therapy, I've covered my relationship with my family, my sexuality, my relationships, my career, major and minor life transitions, all of it. I absolutely recommend it, but I can understand the resistance you may feel with the whole thing and your frustration with the whole process. In my own layperson language, I define therapy as a process of regularly sharing details and events of your life with someone trained in recognizing repeated mental distortions to help you see and identify disempowering patterns and reclaim personal power. I'll give that a beat. It's not someone preaching to me for an hour, criticizing me, or even getting into my head. They are listening to me express what I regularly vent to others, either in speech or action, and helping me identify potential solutions and strategies, or to simply recognize the patterns just outside of my awareness. This is why it isn't necessarily helpful to only regularly vent to others, although it feels like immediate relief to valid frustrations. You aren't subsequently equipped to examine or create new patterns. You may get encouragement to repeat the same patterns. But great therapists help you see where you are stuck in a loop and where you may be ready to embrace some new power in your life. How to find the therapist. The strategy I've typically used, and I've had around five therapists over the 10 or so years I mentioned, has been to one- identify my primary area of concern. Was it relationships, family trauma, sexual identity, etc.? It can be a cluster of things you want to address, but this is helpful helpful for filtering, like on websites and such. However, regardless of the specialty, you're the one really doing the work and the perspective and the tools they offer should still help. And they can generally refer you to a peer who specializes in your specific need. Two, select a directory, and I've provided these below where it may be easiest to find a therapist. For example, do you prefer a man, a woman, or non-binary therapist, a PhD, or a licensed clinical social worker, a black therapist, someone specifically trauma-informed? If this is important to you, include it in your criteria. Three, 
user search filters of specialty, race, ethnicity, medium, so virtual or in person, etc., to return a list of potential therapists. After you've done this on like a website or an app, four, compile a list of individuals whose experience in bio you feel you, reson- you resonate with, not who are attractive or just seem accomplished. I'm not going to address that. I'm just going to keep moving. I typically aim for about three to five to reach out to. When compiling this list, you want to look for is accepting new clients. So usually it'll say this on the website or an app. Um, but website directories aren't always current. So you'll want to ask again later in email, which is also provided in a template, bo- a template below. Back to the list. Your preferred or primary specialty needs. So, for example, family trauma or relationship challenges. You want to look for your insurance provider. And if it's like a specific type of insurance, you want to look for that and get it to see, get as specific as you can and get as much information as you can. Your preferred communication method, so email, by phone, remote sessions, and whatever other factors are important to, to you that filters provide. Then five, you want to create a template message you can send to your list of three to five potential providers. This will cause you to not feel like you are reliving trauma or repeating yourself in this preliminary process. You want to share your concern, but the therapy doesn't start here. And I want to say, I think I've heard in this conversation with friends or people in general that they'll find a therapist that they really like and that therapist is either booked or isn't accepting new clients. And then it can feel like a blow and then you don't want to like go through with the process. In this early stage, you want to identify few and you want to trust that you can always change therapists, but you want to trust that if the person that you want isn't available, that someone else could also still be helpful. And so do not get attached to anyone yet. This is the expiration phase. And so six, you want to email your first round of three to five therapists providing about a week to respond. After you share your email, again, the template is below, they should respond asking about your availability, your insurance, if they're accepting new clients, etc. Or they will connect you with an administrative person who will likely be less emotionally invested since their role is to run administration. So I don't, I don't want to suggest that they'll be short or anything, but they might not come across through email as sympathetic as you would expect the therapist to because it's not their job. Um, but when you begin when you begin communicating, this is when you want to talk about the administrative stuff. So the cost, scheduling, insurance, frequency, requirements, all of that stuff. You want to talk about that quickly so you don't get attached to and quit the process doing less okay than when you started. And if they are not accepting new clients, it's always a good practice to ask for a referral and maybe even to be connected through email. And this could sound like, if you are not accepting new clients, could you refer or connect me to someone who could assist with the challenges I'm facing? Like most graduate programs, they probably graduated with peers or just have met people in the profession that could be helpful. Step seven, either move forward with one of these five or pick a new roster to engage. If you move forward with the therapist and others respond, let them know you are interested and you are chatting with a potential therapist and you'll let them know if it doesn't work out. This way, if your insurance isn't accepted or the copay is too high or the schedule doesn't work, you don't have to start back over at zero. I've made the mistake, I guess you could say. It didn't really have, it wasn't great, but it didn't have like negative consequences of like finding a therapist and then just acting like the emails that I sent just didn't exist. But after all of that, 
hopefully you're ready and then you can just attend your first session. And so in this session, you will do introduction, you'll talk pleasantries and complete an intake form. And so the intake form usually says something like, in your own words, describe what's bringing you in. What do you expect from therapy? In the, low, in the last 30 days, have you felt a low mood? Um, you'll also run through a checklist of symptoms. So for your first session, do not expect to start the deep work. I know I've a number of times went to the first session like, woo, let's get started. And it felt like, what is all this paperwork for? Like I'm paying for the session. So don't expect to start the deep work for just a couple sessions, but stay the course though. You want to be well. Maybe also consider doing this search for a therapist with a friend or asking for someone to help you stay committed or even help you search if and when you get frustrated. We do in fact need each other. Cost, payment, and insurance. Cost, the great barrier for the people who are willing to attend therapy and need it most. The price of therapy with and without insurance varies widely, even and especially between providers. I know, largely due to practice costs, insurance trickery, and the time of the year probably. However, please don't let this be the only factor preventing you from going, at least not at the start. Often when you are beginning the process of finding a therapist, you are working with an administrative liaison working on behalf of the therapist, and so probably many therapists. And like I mentioned before, these interactions may not feel as therapeutic as the actual session. Again, stay the course. When you are shopping around for a therapist and beginning these conversations, you want to know if you're insured, the type of insurance you have, PMO, HMO, PPO, so they can determine how they will bill your insurance. No need to know exactly what these mean, just be able to answer the question. You can call your insurance company or HR rep to learn what this is. What type of insurance do I have? Like that should be enough to cover. And if you're on with your insurance, you can actually have the conversation about therapy. Hey, I plan to start therapy. I want to know what insurance I have and all of that stuff. You want to also know how much you are willing, you are able or willing to pay and which payment method you'll use. You'll use. In the conversation with the therapist, you'll want to know, are you meeting weekly? Are you meeting twice monthly? Um, uh, monthly. Um, and how much these sessions are going to be and how much you can afford to pay and how often you can go. And so you want to know how much you are expected to pay per session. This may be considered the deductible or copay. I honestly forget the difference and I do apologize. So make sure you ask, how much will I be expected to pay out of pocket per session? Get this number in email or write it down because insurance is literally, and I know this because I worked at an insurance company, is literally by design confusing. And the wonderful admins are emailing tons of people. Again, ask me how I know. You want no surprises when you show up for your first session. You also want to know when you might likely meet your threshold or limit for out-of-pocket expenses for the year and no longer, and no longer need to pay out-of-pocket this is like considered like when you meet your deduct your deductible and I chuckle because I think I think it only happened once but at once I think I met my deductible and I was running them therapy sessions up it's like all right let's meet again next week let's meet again next week um but after this is paid you might be able to double up and get some extra sessions that your insurance is paying for when your insurance resets for the year and you will have to return to paying out of pocket you want to know when that is and I think sometimes it's April, maybe sometimes it's like May or June, but don't just expect that it's like January 1. 
in the case that you're uninsured, you want to know how much you are able or willing to pay per session and which payment method you'll use. And don't let this deter you. There are collectives and there are things that are, are designed that are in place to kind of help. Again, if you're unsure, you want to know how much you want to ask, how much you will be expected to pay per session. And if there's an additional payment plan not displayed on website or previously stated available. Most therapy clinics and clinicians have a few clients with a range of different insurance providers and budgets. Thus, they are able to offer a percentage or a number. And this is not always a guarantee. Um, a percentage of clients care at a lower, more reasonable cost. In this case, and very early in this process, you want to ask if the therapist or the clinic, the admin, if they offer a sliding scale of pricing. And so sliding scale, because they can slide it to the top for people who have um, insurance that pays for a lot of stuff and like slide the, the cost scale like really low for people who may not have insurance. So you can get somewhere on the lower end of cost. And so you, you simply ask them, do you offer a sliding scale for the cost of sessions? Finally, if this sliding scale arrangement is based solely by request or if additional details like income or proof of need are needed and when, if you need to recertify. In both cases, you want to be patient in this process and identify a few tasks to do to move you closer to that sacred couch. Then do something else to balance the potential frustration of your favorite potential therapist saying, I'm not currently accepting clients right now. Think of it like searching for a job, which is, I know, also kind of awful, so maybe that's not a great analogy. But instead of getting paid, you get better. As much as getting to someone's couch with your purse intact can feel like the finish line you can finally collapse on, you still want to be checking in with yourself to make sure the therapist and the therapeutic process are both appropriate for you. Signs of a great therapist. The greatest therapists for me were, among other things, patient, neutral, inquisitive, and compassionate. Patient. They didn't push or rush me to open up or feel or felt like they had to fill or exploit empty spaces in the conversational process. They felt like they were simultaneously learning and developing my own healing curriculum as we went along. They could recognize that I had fought up until the moment I sat down and respected this, so they weren't combative. They were neutral and are grounded. Outside of a chuckle or empathetic look here and there, they seemed largely unshaken emotionally by what I shared, meaning they listened and didn't get hooked into my emotional reaction as we might hope and expect our friends to. They seemed to be listening for where I had power, where I felt powerless, and where I was flying a little bit blind. This also naturally felt like the non-judgment you would hope from a great therapist. Said another way, they felt grounded and unflappable by the salacious gossip I wanted to share. Regularly, though, redirecting me back to myself. They were inquisitive. My therapist starting five asked incredible questions. The greatest sessions for me were those where my therapist asked me maybe three questions the entire session that set me ablaze with things to get off my chest that provided clues to my personal power. This looked like them taking notes and referring to these notes when I brought up an infrequently mentioned but no less influential cycle of abuse or disempowerment. An additional note, some therapists take a ton of notes and may flip back through when providing insight, and a couple of the equally great ones also rarely even had a notepad to write in. They also still both got me together. <laughs> and compassionate. 
The greatest therapists I've had were neutral and grounded, yes. However, they also communicated their vested interest in my improvement, a desire to help others, or a passion for community and express that they cared. And in the search process, you can ask, like, why is this important to you? Why did you get into therapy? To kind of know where, the, where they're coming from. But it didn't feel like a coddling, come here, baby, kind of compassion. But and I see that you're tired. Let's get you what you need, kind of compassion. They were also pleasant. And I did say greatest therapists. However, not all therapists are great therapists. And as a consumer, as a layperson, I'm willing and can say it. But maybe more challenging than having a terrible therapist is having one that just isn't very effective but seems good enough. While you are paying them each week in Tubman's. Nah, that's not, that's not going to work. Signs it may not be a good fit and that switching could be beneficial. How you feel. Full stop. This is a bit subtle and subjective since the therapeutic process is going to invite you to experience all kinds of new and often painful but necessary emotions. But if the process always feels abrasive, rough, or capitalist, so productive, outcome-driven, or seemingly required, there may be factors present that may not fully support your process. Good therapy causes you to feel extremely vulnerable but safe, or at least not in danger. You shouldn't feel like you had to argue in defense of yourself. You won't always feel satisfied with the progress in a session, so that needn't be an expectation. The homework may sometimes feel impossible, and for stretches of time, you may feel like an angry ball of confusion. Remember, these problems develop over years and even decades. However, you should on average expect to feel like you fell apart, met some challenging stuff, but made some progress with a safe guide. Self-satisfaction. If your therapist seems to enjoy talking a lot or mostly about themselves, they offer too many anecdotes about themselves and when they had overcome something or family drama, if they're not regularly guiding you toward the stopping point each session, thus leaving you activated and unexplored and like, all right, well, that's our time, that may be a sign that it's not a good fit and that switching could be beneficial. Rushing. If they rush you to answer, they rush you to explore depth you don't feel prepared to, they try to answer your big questions for you, it should very frequently feel like it's whatever you want to discuss or whatever you want to do within range in session. No rush. It shouldn't feel like you're in a hurry. Potentially, if they're too heavy on the rules and guidelines. My favorite therapists have told me when we needed to talk business their practice guidelines, and shared expectations. If you are regularly taking time out of your 45-minute sessions to talk business and it feels like they are lining up sessions to get paid, listen, it's challenging for all of us out here, that could be data you include to consider your next steps, be it providing feedback about this, reducing frequency, or finally ch changing therapists. I've said a number of times, we started at 6.06, I still got six minutes. <laughs> And you can always share your experiences with a friend or someone wise to check if you're unsure. Like, hey, is this your, does this match your experience? Does this sound right? This kind of feels funny to me. These things can be a little cloudy. Additionally, if they show up late but make sure y'all finish on time, yeah, that doesn't work. Repeat, repeating questions and not tracking across regular sessions. A little grace here because we'd be showing up sad and all over the place and not often coherent. But 
It's not a great sign if you have to re-explain major themes or stories. The reason it's so often recommended and most helpful to regularly attend therapy with one therapist is that you are in each session giving them dots to help you connect and draw meaningful connections. The fewer dots they have from low or irregular attendance or not sharing, the fewer helpful connections they can make and then you'll say that therapy doesn't work. So you got to show up. At the same time, however, if your therapist is asking the same questions frequently, causing you to waste precious session time, or seem to be forgetting major insights that previously felt like breakthroughs, and they won't remember everything, but take this as data. This doesn't have to be the thing that you base your whole decision on, but just take it in mind. On the one hand, they can just be exhausted because we're all the 97% trying to help each other with the tools we have. On the other hand, they may not be in a place in their life, practice, or even career to offer you the support that you need and deserve. So we use this data to decide our next steps. Nothing final at first, but certainly data. Unconscious bias. I'm not aware of therapists' ability to pre-sift clients, but we are all still human and unconscious bias is just that, unconscious. For example, a white male clinician may be aware of his underlying bias toward black people, but he may not ever be able to fully empathize with or begin to access the emotional depth and perspective of, let's say, a black trans woman, despite the best tools and intentions. I had a Christian therapist who struggled not to sympathize with the church whenever I expressed real distress. A major, a major no-no. The catch-all for set, selecting a therapist is how you feel consistently and over time. Not your immediate reaction, but your slept-on, deeply internal feeling. If it feels like divine progress and you are beginning to see all the roles you have unconsciously played, loved, and hated, stay the course. Even when it feels like you're moving backward. Even planets go retrograde annually. If it feels like expansion and stretching on the inside, keep going. If it feels like tightness, contraction, and overwhelm, consider how you can pivot or release some resistance in the session or outside with that therapist or another. A word to the wise, though. Therapists are people, too, and have experienced these last few years alongside you while helping as many people as they can to improve their mental health. I have friends who do this work and are skilled in helping others navigate their own internal processes, but they are doing their best just like the rest of us. And it's not like it's a a, a high-paying job that they can streamline all the other aspects of their life. So... Be fierce about your process and healing, but expect to engage with another human who has up and down days just like you. And know this, your process and healing is often really helpful for your therapist. They are learning and growing too, but they just might not show it. They do have like a really good poker face. Um, That covers it. Please let me know if you have any questions or if this was helpful. If you've been considering therapy, please go after it. It's helped me more than I can express. But to the resources. A note about virtual therapy. A 2020 CNBC article had this to report about teletherapy apps such as in the listed in the post. Sharing data with third parties is ubiquitous across mental health apps. In 2019, when researchers examined data practices of 36 top-ranked apps for depression and smoking cessation, they found that more than 80% sent data to Facebook and Google, often without disclosing it in their privacy policies. Data is really the currency in the app market. I personally won't say don't use them, but use your judgment. 
in my opinion, if they are using your data in partnership with tech giants, you shouldn't be paying for it. I also cannot speak on all platforms, but in my experience, these therapeutic experiences haven't been as transformative as in-person or virtual sessions set up through an actual private individual or clinic have. But I am one person and very worthy, so that may have determined the difference in experience. And I like to know where my data is going or at least get something free from it. If you now or ever find yourself or someone else in crisis, please don't hesitate to contact 988 for the Suicide and Crisis Lifeline. Therapy Directories and Email Form Template There are a variety of directories on the web you can use to find a therapist, and they will, in many cases, feature the same therapist, so no need to use everyone. Try these out, especially if they are offering a sliding scale. Psychology Today which is a massive psychologist-run therapist database for and by psychologists featuring therapists of various specialties and training. National Queer and Trans Therapists of Color Network, a healing justice organization committed to transforming mental health for queer and trans people of color, the QTPLC. The overall goal is to increase access to healing justice resources for queer and trans people of color. Therapy for Black Girls, Therapy for Black Girls is an online space dedicated to encouraging the mental wellness of black women and girls. I found my therapist here. I know. Black male therapists. Platforms created to promote, inspire, and elevate other black therapists and create a safe space for black mental health. A safe space for black men and women to discuss their mental health and wellness journey and learn new strategies to live a better life. Black female therapists. Platforms created to promote, inspire, and elevate other black therapists and create a safe space for black mental health. A safe space for black men and women to discuss their mental health and wellness journey and learn new strategies to live a better life. ZocDoc. ZocDoc offers an online and app-based service that allows people to find and book in-person or telemedicine appointments for medical care. I love ZocDoc because you can save and favorite providers, see their availability, the insurance they accept, and receive notifications. Sample email and website form template you can use for your list of potentials. Hi, potential therapist. My name is Melvin. I am hoping to begin therapy soon, and your experience seems like a good fit. I am, and whatever details you feel will give your therapist a solid idea of if they can help, and then maybe a short short bit about what you're currently facing. If you are accepting new clients, I would love to discuss if and how we could work together to address these challenges. If you are not, I would greatly appreciate a referral to someone in your network familiar with addressing these challenges. Thanks in advance. Your name. And here's just an example. Hi, Dr. Sharon. My name is Melvin. I am hoping to begin therapy soon, and your experience seems like a good fit for what I am facing. I am 27, Southern, living in New York, gay, and in a major life transition I am struggling to navigate. I'm having difficulty identifying my personal power and creating boundaries and relationships I've had my entire life. If you are accepting new clients, I would love to discuss if and how we could work together to address these challenges. If you are not, I would greatly appreciate a referral to someone in your network familiar with addressing these challenges. I look forward to your response. Thanks in advance, Melvin. I really hope this helps. Therapy should be only one piece of your healing puzzle, but it's a pretty helpful piece. I'll be providing a bunch of other resources if it just isn't feasible or you simply want to fire on all cylinders. This got to be much longer than I thought, so if anything is confusing or unclear, send me an email and we can chat. I'm no therapist or clinician, though, just a healing groupie. Let me know how it goes. Absolutely all my love, Melvin.